0: I'm got to throw um, a curveball then. You, did anyone hear that they found organic matter on Mars?
1: I saw your, I uh, <laughs> think it was.
0: I'm just like, that's huge. And we're talking about Hugh Edwards. So I assume, <laughs> so I've got a couple of mates of mine who studied biology at uni and I went to them and just went, look, what is, what is that definition? And they said, well, it could be dead plant matter. It could be dead animal matter. It could be feces. But they also said, and it says very clearly on on NASA, they also said it could be meteorite impact, and it could be water mixing with soil and eventually creating organic matter over maybe millions of years, billions of years, I don't know. But the weird thing is they haven't specified what it is, just that it's organic matter. Which I find fascinating in itself. But that's huge because it means you can grow life, I would assume, from organic matter. That would be my assumption. Would
2: organic matter contain DNA?
0: It depends on what it is. So if it was dead plant matter or bone or feces, then yes. If it's just meteorite organic compounds, then no. It would literally just be a mixture of carbon, I believe, hydrogen, and Maybe sulfates or or something along those lines. That it, I, th- I think the more important thing is the fact that, from my understanding, you could grow stuff, which then means there is potential for life on Mars. And they're not even they're not even at the, you know, north pole where there's more likely to be ice and water. They're in the, if I remember correctly, the sort of mid range of,
3: of the equator, of Mars. So that's. Isn't it more likely it's just another mistake? Because they keep finding all sorts of things that uh, look like uh, look like this and that and yeah, the other look like Coca-Cola cans and and so on. I mean, uh, unless they can bring life. the
0: sample back,
2: yeah,
3: it's yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they can analyze it. They wouldn't have come out and said it otherwise, would they? But no wouldn't problem. that have been all over all the news if they'd actually found life on? or, or, or Oh, but, sure, they'd found it. That's why. They, yeah. Well. That's why I said,
0: isn't it odd that it's organic?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: What was it? Organic compound. And I find that odd. Like, why aren't you being more specific? You've got a camera. You can clearly visualize yeah. it. But what does that mean? in the layman's term, because I had to, because I read it and I read through it three times and I was like, still not clear. And I had to go to a friend of mine, or two friends of mine, three friends of mine, who all studied biology at university to get them to give me a layman's term definition. And those were the basic five things that it could be but mm. why nasa hasn't said anything i don't know but the, i think it's more of the fact and you're right it could be wrong but I assume they wouldn't have said it unless they'd analyzed the soil which i know they've got the components to they, they have the scientific equipment to do on the on the rover
3: i, I i'm sorry to be a skeptic a skeptical about this but I, I, it seems to me that if, if they had definitely found life on mars we would all know about it now it would have been front page on every 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 newspaper i've been mean, at the top of the news everywhere it's not it?
2: something uh, matt damon left behind is
3: it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's just funny I I, I I admire your um, interest uh it's a bit mare for me to be honest i've probably missed the point but uh yeah. <laughs> sorry i'm not really into compost you know <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry sorry alex
3: you know I love you. <laughs> no. All right. We'll I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what, just on on that subject, I was watching a programme last night about the James Webb telescope. It's taken 30 years to build, 10,000 people, cost 8 billion. And, uh, you know, it's the most sophisticated instrument ever built. And that's about a quarter of what we spent on test and trace, which didn't really work. <laughs> that's quite quite I to that.
0: We already had a test and trace system for HIV, and they didn't use it. Really? Yeah. So instead of going to the HIV department with the NHS and going, oh, you've got this test and trace system, can we implement it? How will we expand on it? It's <laughs> amazing. So, but then, then how, would, how
2: would Dido Harding make all that money if you already yeah, use exactly. the existing system? What I, I love do the, the, the Test money? and
1: Trace uh, budget as a as a benchmark. I mean, they're saying, oh, we could never possibly privatise the water industry. it costs cost £8 billion. <laughs> yeah, that's a bargain, isn't it, compared to Test and Trace? Bloody hell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, do you know how much it would cost to do a green wall across the whole of North Africa? Probably about a kilometre in depth to reduce the size of the Sahara. About a billion dollars.
1: Is that all... That's all. Mm-hmm.
0: A billion dollars. And you, I mean, it's not quick, because you've got to let the trees grow, but they've done it in the south.
1: and you'd well, think, you get some of that compost from Mars down, that would help. You <laughs> <work>. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to show interest. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Oh, it's good. It's
4: good. It's good. good.
0: But, There'll probably be someone in the government trying to figure out how to swindle us on that one. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Special
0: Martian compost. Yeah. Someone would probably pay a billion to do that. Elon Musk. Oh no, he's got no money now, has he? He's gone apparently bust, hasn't he?
1: Yeah. Has yeah. he? he?
0: Apparently, every like something ridiculous, like five hundred. I don't know, five hundred thousand or something. Switched over to this other version of Twitter, which is run by uh, Zuckerberg.
1: Yeah, Threads. It's awful. I have had a look. You know,
3: I I I did. I switched over immediately the moment it was available, and I. Use it for about an hour, and I've never been back. me too. Michael. I think yeah. A lot yes, of people it's have... same. Mm. "What?" It's actually good. I'm new. It there. looks the same as it's the same as Twitter. So you go back to Twitter, where you know everybody, and you've got your followers, and you exactly. follow people. And, and there's less the, there's I less talk
1: about cats as well.
3: Yeah, mm.
0: yeah. And it's got news and literally Zuckerberg's made a carbon copy of Twitter.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Oh. That. They're the most disappointing thing. I could see nothing about compost on Mars on threads, so I thought, now <laughs> I'll leave that. On. <laughs> so, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry.
0: Fine, fine. <laughs> um, can we get on with the show?
1: <laughs> sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday roast. So I hope you're all very well. We have two wonderful guests back with us again. Uh, let's start with Michael. Michael, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the
3: show? Yes, uh, my name is Michael Lambert. I have a YouTube channel where I generally have once a week a, a good rant about uh, about politics and, and and particularly about Brexit.
2: Very good. Rob, welcome back. Can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new? To the Sunday roast.
1: Yeah, nice to see you guys again. Uh, without wanting to echo Michael, I too have a YouTube channel, uh, Truth to Power, with a weekly rant about Brexit and mainly Tory corruption. Um, and hell to the lamp. Uh, I always wondered what they were talking about when they said the blob. Uh, now I've seen exactly what they mean
2: <laughs> hell lamp. <laughs> Hail the lamb. My wonderful co-host Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show?
0: Hi, I'm Alex. I'm also known as Political X. I run a YouTube channel and I'm a historian. And my wonderful co-host, I always chug the arm that way, so I'm going to go this way. My wonderful co-host Max.
2: Hi everyone, my name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about British politics and at the moment Brexit. Alex, what's our first topic of today?
0: Compost on Mars. <laughs> That's all we're going to talk about now.
2: We're going to do a one-hour special on
0: compost on Mars.
3: <laughs> From <Oz>. Mars. Mars.
0: <laughs> now we're going to talk about Brexit. We're going to talk about immigration, emigration, and the birth rate. Rob, Rob, what what's going on with emigration it's taking place in the UK right now? Because it looks...
1: <laughs> yeah it's it, it's going crazy there's actually a big story in the daily telegraph this week um talking about basically a, a post-brexit brain drain i mean if you cast your mind back to 2017 um there are over 4,000 uh high net worth individuals that's people with multi-millions of of spare cash uh for investment overseas um there was there was a, a massive surge just after brexit that then died down but it's now picking up with pace um the uk is now the world's third largest exporter of millionaires after India and China and has actually surpassed Russia for the first time last year now okay you know think kill the rich and everything but you know these people are people that are both investing and attracting investment into the UK and as they walk out the door, so we see further investment in the UK dwindling away as well. So this is a very serious story. The 3,200 I mentioned, though, the high net worth individuals, they are just a fraction of what is basically a stampede from the sinking ship of Brexit Island. Uh, emigration figures for the UK in 2022, last year, were north of half a million individuals. And that's not just high net worth individuals. It's highly trained people like doctors, mechanics, plastics technicians, care workers going elsewhere to get away from <laughs> high taxation and low wages in the UK. Mars. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So that's my rant. Sorry. <laughs> there, there,
2: I, I did a video um, some weeks ago, I think it was, where there was a lady who called into LBC and uh, she, she was considering moving to Australia because as a nurse, the pay was so bad in the NHS uh, and it's not a criticism of the NHS it's because the Tories are not willing to invest the resources mm. necessary but she was talking not just about the pay but she was also talking about the conditions yes. that the conditions in Canada or in Australia were much better
4: I really really care and that's why I started looking abroad is because I you come home at the end of a shift and you think about some of the people that you've seen that day and you just feel miserable because so I'll give you an example there was a man um recently that I um ended up treating who had end stage bowel cancer and he was in A&E and at the time I came in in the morning he'd been sitting in a chair um for 8 hours and what had happened was his bladder had created a hole towards his bowel just mm. because of where the tumor was so the reason he come in was because he was he had an infection and he was leaking urine out of his back passage. And mm. he was sitting upright in a chair in the waiting room for oh. eight hours. This was the last day of his life. He died 12 hours later. Oh,
0: that's awful. So,
4: I This is the kind of thing that you come home and you sit down and you think, this is, this is my foreseeable future. I'm going to be mm. doing this every day. And I didn't really help that man. I, you know, there was nothing I could do to make it any better for him because we didn't have the resource. So what's the point, in me just going in day after day after day if no one's going to change anything?
2: And what happens is, of course, is you, know, you have nurses who you want to retain. They're leaving uh, and then they're leaving uh, a workforce behind which is under even more stress and strain. And um, I think Rishi Sunak this week, his solution to uh, retention is to impose higher fees on Mm-hmm. foreign uh foreign work or foreigners coming into the country who are obviously uh, most of them are coming in to work so he's going yeah. to impose higher fees on them but how's that going to help
0: Absolutely. he also wanted bring get rid of uh, inheritance tax which brings in seven billion mm-hmm. which
3: i'm like right okay that's weird michael what do you what do you think of all of this well I, I think we all knew it was going to happen it was down to happen and, and, and it's, it'll happen more and more um I it just makes sense to leave leave why would you stay here it's a great pity you can't emigrate to the to the eu but i have i have two sons and they're both well educated they've got very good jobs they're both in their early 40s in the last three months one has moved to Bangkok permanently and the others moved to dubai permanently and they both say it's the best thing they've ever done absolutely delighted and they they come back here and they think this is just crazy land and and i think there must be thousands and thousands and thousands of people like that i mean what are you going to stay here for we can all see everything is sinking all oh, the beautiful summer weather. Yes, <laughs> but I think Max
2: if you think here. back to the if you, if you think back to the 1950s when Britain was rebuilding after the war, it attracted foreign labour. But now it seems the idea is no, we don't want foreigners in. We want to keep as yeah. as many of them out. And if we can't use legislation to do that, what we're going to do is increase costs so fewer people arrive. Like I, I think it's it's a sort of vote winner with the racists and bigots. Uh, that yeah. Rishi Sunak seems to be chasing, but it's detrimental to the economy.
1: Of course,
0: it feels yeah. like he's feeding the monster
2: that
3: might eventually devour him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same <laughs> with Brahman. I mean, talented people are not going to come here. So, and, and so it's the it's the least talented, the unskilled people we're going to need. Uh, um, if. if they're immigrating as well, and, and then we're going to be going around the country trying to find people in, in in all these very poor countries, particularly nurses and doctors and so on, where they need them, where they spend a lot of money to train them and so on. And we're going to pinch them, yeah. and to replace uh, the, 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 those who've left here. it's yeah. absolutely. But, bonkers.
2: And, I, and I don't know if I if I'm correct in saying this, but I, I believe the NHS have a have a sort of code of conduct where they don't try to pinch as many doctors and nurses from developing countries is part of their ethos not to do this so um of course they're going to be forced to do this because they need the staff but uh, on the other hand you have the nhs spending huge amounts of money on on private um, on the private sector because nurses are being paid up to 3 400 pounds a day if they're mm. you know from agencies so th- mm. th- like w- we talk about you know the, the right wing will say well look at all this money that's going into the nhs and it's not working but of course, they don't mention where the money is going, and more, more and more of this money is going into the private sector. If That's you actually right. spent the money on, you know, on doctors and nurses who are working within the system, um, you'd be able to retain them better. So you have this yeah. situation where the government are saying we're not, you know, we're spending more money on the NHS. It's going into the into the NHS, but because they can't get the staff they need, they have to hire agency staff. Then they end up spending more and more money on agency staff, which means that they have less money for. Frontline services. So the system uh, degrades and the public become become more and more angry and and the public say, well, we need to fix this. And then the politicians step in and say, well, privatization is the way to go.
1: Yeah, Um, Rishi Sunen this week uh, announced uh, a big investment in doctors training to train up more doctors. Um, But it's like turning on the taps with the bath plug empty because these doctors that were spending millions to train up are now going off to other countries and using that investment that we've made, there's actually other countries that are benefiting.
3: Do do they not have to pay for this training? I mean, they have to pay hundreds of thousands to... Yes, come doctors to uh, Apparently, Rishi Sina made an announcement this week that he was
1: actually providing more funding for training up doctors, so I'm sure they make a contribution, but there is also an investment of, of many, many millions going into these doctors. Mm. And, and I was looking at the emigration this week. It's the usual suspects that are attracting not just doctors but all our other professionals. It's America and Canada, it's Australia and New Zealand. But some of the names are quite interesting. If you look within the EU, people are moving to, uh, in the top ten, for example, are Latvia, Cyprus, Malta, Portugal. Now, nothing against those countries at all. But, you know, we're a much bigger economy here. You, it, 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 it's so surprising that people would leave here to go to those other smaller economies. It's But that's the investment walking out the door, Rishi Sunak's making these pledges. And
3: I was going to say, it, it, it's all very well Sunak saying, oh, we're going to train up our own doctors. Takes seven years to train a doctor. That's that's the government after next before any of these people are going to come on stream. Uh, it's just ridiculous. In the meantime, they're all they're all they're all leaving. I, I
0: find it quite interesting as well because it looks like the, the government are going to probably try and come up with ways of retain the staff through force. They'll say, "Oh, you can't leave unless you paid the money." Or, yeah, but I can right. easily I could easily turn around and go. The EU have got a special that they're offering to entrepreneurs to come move into the EU.
5: Grace is an Australian computer programmer. She has just received a job offer from a tech company in Germany and is planning to move to the EU. Cue administrative hassle and paperwork, right? In fact, no. Have you heard of the blue card? It is a system that allows highly skilled people from outside the EU to come and work in a European country more easily. The EU's population is ageing and some sectors, like computer programming, are seeing a shortage of new workers. The blue card is a way to support European businesses by making the EU market more easily accessible to highly skilled foreign workers like Grace. To get her blue card, she will need to prove that she has an EU work contract or a binding job offer of at least six months and have her health insurance in order the card will soon have more relaxed eligibility criteria, simplified conditions to bring families together, and will ensure better rights for workers. While the card is an EU programme, European countries are in charge of issuing and withdrawing them.
0: Really? Under certain criteria, and I believe all four of us, although Max is a step ahead, would be sure. an, an Irish, so that means nothing, so that point was completely silly. Sure. But for the three of us, we would be able to apply into this because we're all YouTubers. They are looking for people that can work remotely. I know Lithuania are big on this as well, and Latvia. And Estonia, yeah. Yeah, and Estonia, yeah. They're all going, yeah, 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 come over here. We'll, we'll do tax breaks. And it was interesting you brought up Malta and Cyprus. They're tax havens. <laughs> That's where they're going there.
1: Well, absolutely. Low tax. Yeah, certainly low-tax economies. Yeah. Low-tax, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Malta's... Got some dodgy connections with Russian money being filtered through. It was definitely sure. one of the things that came out through the American Russian interference investigations that money yeah. was being siphoned into Malta and Cyprus and then out into the rest of the EU. So it went through a cleansing operation, essentially. Yeah, um, and also
1: their, their top income tax rate is 35%. Now, I'm, I'm not sitting here as an advocate of low taxation, but I just, you mentioned uh, inheritance tax um, earlier, Alex. I mean, personally, I'd rather that this government taxed unearned income as much as they taxed earned income. And I'd also personally rather pay tax when I'm dead rather than when I'm alive. So there's just so many things that I think we're getting wrong with fiscal policy in the UK. And like you say, that's why Malta and Cyprus, these places with lower income tax rates, are, are cleaning up, just taking all our talent.
0: Britain isn't as bad as it, could, as, it is, as some might suggest. Cambridge and Oxford are always going to be pulls. I can't see that changing in the next 100 to 200 years for university, for example. We've got lots of good stuff happening with fintech at the moment. And the city is an interesting place, I can't say I'm always an advocate of it. In in many ways, I'd be happy to criticise it. But it is an economic powerhouse that didn't really even seem to get dented from Brexit, which is ridiculous. We we could talk about derivatives and that they're slowly ebbing out and going back into the EU and maybe New York. But in general, it, it was actually quite an adaptable machine. But it's interesting as well, London itself is quite an adaptable machine. But the rest of the UK... And this is the thing. We were meant to level up. This is downgrading. This is downshifting. And it's because we've got one part of the government, one set of Brexiteers basically saying we want free trade of some sort with a bit of socialism. And you've got the other group, which are like brexit light or brexiteer light, which is the Labour Party. And they're basically turning around and going, well, we want a closed economy, a protectionist economy. And you're going, well, either one of those shrinks and damages some part of the economy. I don't see how you can get out of it unless you Look to rejoin. There's, there's no alternative. If that, there is no alternative, no. And Adam Possum just wrote a piece on that as well, uh, talking hmm. about it. He said basically you've got to go for a bit of a socialist policy. You've got to accept that you've shrunk the economy. You're in a medium position. You're no longer a hard high hitter when you were inside the EU. Then the way around it is to put in socialist policies. So develop infrastructure, spend money on that, also on the NHS, and nationalise a number of industries.
2: Can I just just ask a question related to that? Um, And and ironically, of course, London and Northern Ireland are the the two parts of the UK that are growing at the moment. But when it comes to the Labour Party, who are obviously going to take over, you know, unless something dramatic happens, what are they going to do to to undo the damage that's been inflicted? Because I think their hands are going to be tied. It's going to be very difficult to borrow money because you know, the the, the, guild, the guild prices are, are going through the roof. It's going to be difficult to tax the lower incomes, uh, so they'll have to tax higher incomes, but they've said that they're not going to do that. And it sounds like the, the Shadow Chancellor... Uh, who, yeah, she's talking about... <clears throat> she hasn't said the word, but austerity seems to be on the horizon. And and we know that but that's that a disaster.
3: It doesn't work. They're it going to be work. taking over the most poison chalice ever I mean there is absolutely no way it could be any other anything other than disaster for the next uh, five or six years so they'll get blamed for absolutely everything uh, and then the Tories by the uh, by the end of the the, the parliament they'll have uh, convinced everybody that they're more responsible I, I mean it's it is such a mess unless unless we start trying to get back into Europe in one way or another or getting closer to Europe but all this drivel about uh, what's. um, uh, um uh starmer's missions i mean is uh, making us the fastest growing uh, economy in the g7 i mean we're an absolute basket case i mean we're a charity case right now how are we going to be how are we going to ever take america and japan and france and germany and italy and canada I mean, it's just utter nonsense america I, I, won't stand I, for it do
0: america, they, they will do they, they will believe- hammer us if we try and mess around with silicon valley they will hammer us they've they've done it before Taiwan is a very interesting international, sorry, Michael, I will bring you back in. No, no, no. Taiwan's a really interesting one for superconductors. They looked at what the Americans were doing and they went, we can't, if we go into trying to do the the software tech and try and be on the same level as Silicon Valley, America's going to push back on us. And they went, right, what can we do to support the American system? And they basically went superconductors and microchips. And that's what Taiwan makes in huge quantities. And that's what they supply to the US, and the US are happy with that. Now, could we do that? Absolutely. Should Europe be doing that? Absolutely. We shouldn't be reliant on just Taiwan, especially with all the tensions that are happening between China and the US at the moment. But, but, the but Europe th- can do that because it has deep pockets, but
2: Britain, now that it's outside, it's very difficult to say, okay, let's opening, open massive manufacturing of semiconductors or, or something like that. Uh, we saw what happened when it came to batteries for electric cars uh british vault just collapsed because it couldn't attract the investment um the the superconductors.
0: i'll I'll bring back michael the superconductors in europe are being made in holland so again tariffs which we've got coming in in october by the looks of things but i'm not going to go into that michael what did you want to say
3: i was going to say I, i saw some figures yesterday about ai investment in the world um in 2020 the u.s invested 38 billion China, 25 billion, and the EU, 8 billion. Uh, how much do we invest? I, I don't know, anything? Uh, and there's 37, uh, well, that was for something else. <laughs> and there's little Rishi robot telling us that um, he's going to be uh, uh, setting up a, well, we have a conference, isn't it, where he's going to uh, monitor worlds, um, police the world's AI. Um, I mean, just just utterly utterly deranged. Uh, uh, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna get hold of uh, uh, Zuckerberg and... and uh, Elon Musk and say, Come across to London. I want to discuss things with you. I'm going to control the AI for the world. It's so deluded, the whole thing. I mean, just if we're lucky, we might have something like, like, like the Taiwanese, have some sort of sector that we can perhaps specialize in, but it's going to be nothing. We, we, we have against one. our problems, it's going to count for nothing. We have one. It's our arts, yeah.
0: arts and services. That's where we, no, there's no business. In this, probably on the planet, definitely not in the UK, that can compare to the works of Shakespeare, that's mm. brought trillions in, and it's not trillions over a decade or a century. It's over multiple centuries. He's been bringing in uh, and, and making money for the UK. And there's, I don't know of any business there are businesses that have lasted longer than Shakespeare. So for example, in the UK, it's the Royal Mint. In Japan, there is a business that has been running for over a thousand years, interesting enough, which I believe is a sauna uh, and, and massage place of all things. But, <laughs> but the longest running company in the UK is the Royal Mint. And I would turn around and say, Shakespeare probably makes, well, I wouldn't say more than the Royal Mint, I'm gonna leave that, I don't know, I don't have the data to make the comparison but there are not many businesses as big as Shakespeare. There really aren't. Tourism, plays, theatres, you name it, but movies. But also the
2: music industry, you know, look at all the the famous yep. groups since the 1950s. Uh, most of them are from Britain, so.
0: And they're all pissed off with
5: Brexit. Why should the common people listen to you, Jarvis?
1: Oh, they don't have to listen to me. I mean, I, I just turned up and, and spoke, uh, not as an expert, but as someone who, Divides his time between living in Paris and London. And so maybe I've got a bit of a perspective on it, you know. And what is your perspective? I just don't want to get in terrible cues, you know, uh, when I'm <laughs> at Passport Control.
6: <laughs> Very selfish. <laughs> well,
5: the, pe- the Pistols were known for being pretty angry about stuff. It sounds like, you know, listening and reading about um, this single, you're still pretty angry now. Is that well, right?
6: Well, I kind of think i did say this elsewhere the other day i'm I'm not exactly angry i'm livid with the way things are going on at the moment you know the whole brexit thing i don't want to go on about it too much but i think the whole thing's a nonsense i think it's a dead end it's a coldy sack and i think the people that are representing us are just up their own backsides basically i've never known i'm 66 and a half i've seen quite a few you know, MPs, politicians, Prime Ministers, and I think they're so brazenly corrupt, and that I think it needs to be railed against. That's why I wrote the song, Head on a Stick. Hey. If there is one thing that I learn as I get older, it's the incredible healing power of love and compassion. And I really believe that we need more love and compassion in the world today. Alone. I am so sick to death of politicians, especially British politicians. I am sick to death of Brexit. I am a European. I am not a stupid colonial imperialist English idiot. of my country for what it has done It's torn people apart. So I want more love in the world. I want us to talk to each other to come together and I want us to start England in general is a fucking I mean what has happened to this country? I've not I, well I have, I, I have an idea Brexit happened fucking um, you know a lot of people fell under some kind of mass hypnosis. Um, but yeah it's shit England now. And it, was go- and it was going down, it was going downhill for a bit, but actually, f*** all works. England in general is a fucking I mean, what has happened? Brexit's been a disaster for young younger yeah. musicians, because they, yeah. I mean, in the old days, uh, and when I mean the old days, I mean pre-Brexit, um, you could be a young band and you could kind of go over to Europe and play bottom of the bill in festivals and sort of camp and you know, you wouldn't be paid hardly anything, but your experience would be life-changing. Whether you went on in the future to to do bigger and better things, it doesn't matter. You, that that that's kind of sort of like a solid foundation for the rest of your life. Um, and that kind of creativity has been very much curtailed for people on this island because it's expensive now to go over there. It's not. Straightforward. You have to pay, you know, for visas and all that stuff that weren't necessary. So it's a, it's a terrible, it's a travesty. Bre- you know, Brexit was a travesty and people are waking up to that now. Thank goodness. But it was a disaster. Spiritual, spiritually, economically, just rubbish. Brexit... He is rubbish.
1: <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you, you're so right about the arts, you know, because it's not, its I'll take your point on Shakespeare, but bringing that up to, to contemporary uh, industries, um, you know, you look at the video games industry, which I was uh, proud to be a part of for, for decades. Uh, we punch so much above our weight in the UK. The music industry, again, literature, you're absolutely right. What is this Tory government doing in terms of funding the arts? You know, it's seen as like a second choice. There's Rishi Sunak pushing mathematics. What about the arts? It's being completely defunded by this government because the right wing seem to want us all to be Philistines, you know.
0: ETA, Grand Theft Auto. Grand
1: Theft One of the yeah. biggest
0: games ever made. Yeah. And is in Dundee by a bunch of by a yeah. bunch
1: of Scots. Oh Dundee is just an amazing place
0: for, for video games yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> um, but was it GTA correct me if I'm wrong was it GTA that launched it in Dundee or was there uh, was there a game prior to that do you know?
3: Oh I, th- I, can't I think GTA Alex, was
0: the yeah. being... we'll, we'll say GTA cuz you know yeah. Rockstar yeah. <laughs> that just reminds me of the arena comment to to uh Anne Whittacombe. did anyone see that?
6: What do you yeah, think we are
5: better games that for it's like for example own. i used to love grand theft also oh, I love which that is like game. it tells you how to prosper in a criminal world like being in the tory party yeah. you'd love it
1: there we are it's always it's always got to happen let's not ruin the mood <laughs> <laughs> Get out, Marina. <laughs> but on the subject,
3: on the subject of the uh, performing arts, I mean, it's now very, very difficult. And um, Rob, you know much more about this than I do, but it's very, very difficult to go and perform in Europe, isn't it? Absolutely. It's all the bureaucracy, and I mean, I, I've closed many,
1: my I've closed my theatrical agency now. It's, it's closed because I, I just lost so much business because of Brexit. I used to supply actors to the English theatres in Hamburg, Vienna, Venice, uh, you name it. Uh, Frankfurt and, and all that business just went with Brexit. It was about a twenty-five percent hit to my turnover and it's just made the whole thing just
3: I was gonna say it's like I'm always saying that, you know, every single big business in the world began as a startup, maybe one or two people. And this applies to all, you know, Apple and Microsoft, a whole lot. Every big business and likewise with performing actors and musicians and so on, they all start off small. And and, and if you've got biggest market in the world across the across the channel and, and you can't go there. I mean that that restricts your expansion drastically, and so for the opportunity for businesses to grow once they get to a certain size, it's just not there anymore because it's just been too difficult.
0: Yeah, it's true. You can see they're even investing in the EU as a result, which they didn't have to before. Yeah, they could have invested yeah. in here and just gone and traded straight over there, and now they're having to not invest here and invest over the EU. We've actually again, I've, I've been trying to find out how much money is the EU making out of us? Because we're now lo- no longer members, but we're still trading with them. They must be making money out of tax and everything else. I threw out the stats and uh, our lovely friend, David Hennick, who's been on here a few times, uh, absolutely brutally shot me down and said, that's not how you figure out the cost. Um, but I'm yet to find out how you figure out the cost. And I'm yet to find out what it is. It wouldn't surprise me if it was 50 billion. So we were spending nine to be a member of the club and now we have to pay to play. There's a, there's a, there's a computer game term there for you, Rob, pay to play. Well done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's, it's like being you know a member of a gym and you pay a membership fee and you get to use the gym whenever you want. And then you leave saying, well, no, I don't need to use the gym. And then you realize after, actually, I do need to use the gym, but then you can't become a member. You have to pay as you use it. It's of course more expensive. But the Brexiteers would say, no, no, this is the advantage. You're freer
3: to, <laughs> no, you're not. There's any gym. And the gym yeah. is punishing you for, uh, for for leaving, but not yeah, the gym.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but the gym over in America won't let you in anyway. So,
0: <laughs> well, I was, uh, I was doing some campaigning in Uxbridge and I went to the Uxbridge hustings. There you go. Nice segue. And I got a bit of pushback from people being like, oh, the EU's punishing us. What do you guys think of that? Is the EU punishing us or is this just because we've gone to third country status?
1: It's so funny that they anthropomorphise the EU as though the EU has got an emotion like revenge or (laughs) or something like that. You know, the EU is basically an administrative organisation. It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't do things like revenge. It just doesn't. It's You know, they they have a set of rules. They stick to it. That's what the function of the EU is.
0: They've actually been quite flexible over Northern Ireland, haven't they?
2: uh Rob took the words out of my mouth there was um a spokesperson for the European Commission who was asked a question a bit like that and he said look the EU we, we don't have emotions you know we, we're like an administration like a ministry um it's like your council you know you can you can complain to the council but the council isn't punishing you because they're imposing you know no littering laws or something like that yeah. people can probably feel that they're being punished oh no well, it's it other people litter and they're, they're only punishing me um but it, it it's this idea that yeah it's it's about we're being punished. No, th- these were the rules, and th- the ironic thing, of course, was the UK when it was at the at the table writing these rules said we need to have tough rules for third countries because we don't want to give away uh, benefits, we don't want to give away, we don't want to be in a situation where there are third countries uh, taking advantage of uh, of our situation. So the UK, in a sense, was one of the the strongest voices against. Um, making it easier for countries outside the EU to operate so now now that it's outside of course it's like oh, oh okay well actually we're suffering that as well but but people the, the question when people say uh, well the EU is punishing us well I have 2 I'd have two questions for that I'd say well I thought you took like I thought you were taking back control so obviously if they're punishing you and you're not punishing them who's in control I don't, I don't believe it's about punishment but the other is, um, what is your solution? Like, what is your so- like? There's no point sitting on your hands and complaining. Sitting on your arse, I should say, and complaining. You, you, you have, you actually have to. What is your solution to that? So, if you're saying, well, the EU is punishing us, what are you going to do about it?
3: Got an ace in the deck. <laughs> Hold all the cards. I, 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 I think the 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 uh, EU are probably very glad to see the back of us in many ways, and they're probably a lot less concerned with us than we are concerned with the EU. I mean, we we've lost uh, so much, and they've lost really very little, and they've probably uh, made up whatever they lost. But I think on, on a sort of small level, on a petty level, um, uh, there probably is a certain amount of resentment. Uh, for example, my son went to, uh, to, to to France a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I think he went to Nice, and he said at the airport, he said there was, uh, you know, the queue for the, the, the EU members and the, for the non-EU members, and he said there was three or four customs guys around the uh, um the EU entry, and there was just one guy on the non-EU, and he said it was absolutely obvious this guy was just holding everybody up and he was just uh, just just wasting time and uh, and uh, just causing a lot of noise. And I think a lot of people resent resent uh, what we've done uh, and resent us for for complaining so much about them. I mean, we've been, our government's been complaining so much about the EU, it's so rude, so insulting. No wonder some of them are a bit cross about it.
0: Well that's all they've got to do, isn't it? The the British government. They haven't got anything else, so they have to create culture yes. wars and yeah. and animosity with the EU. I mean yeah. you look at this as a World War One perspective and you look at all the things that build up to World War One, just wrote a book on it. And you can easily see there's a plug there. <laughs> Where's the book?
3: Link in the description. Where's the book?
0: <laughs> Somewhere. Um the you can see the similarities. I mean, we, we we put a warship out into the channel because the French fishermen. And you're going, that's really similar to some of the crap that went on during World War I. Um, the Kaiser of Germany sent in a warship into Agadir to, to quell down interest from other European powers as a show of force. You're going, that's so similar it almost feels uh, and i get this a lot i mean i was at the uxbridge hustings and the conspiracy theory shit that came out of lawrence fox and Piers corbin was just unreal but there's this level of and, and ukip there's this level of they don't learn from history this is the old adage and cliche which is absolutely true they seem to think and yeah i've seen this with farage as well oh, that's in the past, humans have moved on and become brighter, more intelligent creatures. And it's like, no, no, we're still in a capitalist system, which essentially helps to exacerbate or put on steroids competition between nations. And the only thing we've found so far to resolve it is to actually unite and start to find similarities more than differences and to stop competing with each other. But someone like Farage is absolutely determined to, and so with a lot of the people there at the Hustings, absolutely determined to believe that somehow human beings have moved on and we're, we're not competitive enough that we could even remotely walk back into a World War One or two. It's almost three strikes and you're out. I think there was even a neocon idiot uh, at the National Conservative Convention who was going, oh, nationalism isn't so bad. The Germans just went out of hand on World War One and Two. And you're like, no, no, they're humans. We do this a lot when we come up with these cra- crazy social constructs. When you say, happen.
3: "Go on, Michael. Yeah, I was going to say, when you say uh, people don't learn from history, people don't learn from what happened last week. Uh, I mean, people got very short memories, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think most people are not interested in current affairs very much, unless it's you, you, Hugh, you, Edwards. They're not interested in uh, uh, in politics very much, and uh, and they're very easily swayed by. Very persuasive characters like Farage and Boris Johnson. I mean, these people have got fantastic personalities, which are able to 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 to, to sort of rally a crowd. And uh, I mean, that, that's really the root of all our problems, isn't it?
0: There was someone, Sorry. there were two or three people in Uxbridge who were going, it's a conspiracy against Boris. And you're going, yeah. what? They bribed the police <laughs> to <laughs> nail to rights the prime minister. Are then you? My- man-
2: then why did he resign if, if it was a conspiracy? Not- why didn't he fight his corner?
0: Why did four conservatives vote against him? The majority of the committee vote against him because of the evidence. Why have our security services repeatedly said he's a threat? Why have the Canadian security services said he's a, he's a dodgy character? Why have the American services, secret services said Boris is a dodgy character and the mates that he hangs around with are dodgy characters? Are
1: you-
0: and the Italians. I- yeah. <laughs> and <the Italians.
2: laughs> But Something I find fascinating about Johnson and Farage is that if you were to point out the lies that they have spread, most reasonable people would say, yeah, I, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. But then when you ask them, why do you support them? They were like, well, because they're honest. <laughs> and it's like, but 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 when you dig down a bit deeper, it's because, well, he, he wouldn't lie to me. He's lying to everyone else. But he's not lying to me. And this is the thing I think is with Johnson in particular. So many people voted for him in 2019 because they knew, yeah, he is a liar, but he's probably telling the truth when it comes to Brexit. And now that that's fallen apart, they're like, well, he's probably telling the truth when he was when he's talking about what he was doing during the pandemic. But he's He's probably telling the truth.
3: All of them. Yeah,
2: yes. But it's it's completely nonsensical. Sorry, go on.
3: I was gonna say he gets away with so much because he's entertaining, he's funny. I mean, if there's an interview with Boris Johnson on, on, you probably watch it because you know, he's gonna say something funny, something witty and they forgive him an awful lot just because of that. And, and this expression, oh, it's just Boris. It, 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 he, he gets away with so much for that. I think as far as Farage is concerned, he's, he's just one of us, you know, he's just, you know, the guy down the pub and, uh, you know, he, 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 he's got the same interests as us at, at heart and he talks sense. Um, Private educated,
0: city worker, yeah. multi-millionaire who banks at yeah. coats. Yeah, he's just like us. <laughs> I do all of that on a daily basis. <laughs> Rob? The, the, <laughs> the,
1: other, the other reason they get away with it is they say, yeah, Boris Johnson lies, Farage lies, but come on, they all lie. They're all as bad as each other. I had my own daughter say that to me recently. Oh, I don't know why you get upset, Dad. They're all as bad as each other. You know, so you can put Suella Braverman and Yvette Cooper in the same box, you know. <laughs> it's just crazy. But that, that's like you said earlier. it's People aren't that interested in politics and current affairs. So it's just very lazy, very easy for them to say they're all as bad as each other. You know, where do, What do you do with that? There's an element of truth
0: to it. I mean, look at Starmer—he's flip-flap on just about oh, everything. Well, yeah, yeah. And you just end up going, right, so you're a Brexiteer then. Mm. Okay. It's, I find that funny as well, that you don't hear people saying that Labour Party are now a Brexit party. They are, they're, they're Brexiteers, they, they must be. If they're saying Brexit must work, then they are Brexiteers. It's so frustrating. Am I am I mad there in suggesting no, no,
2: no, that? But it, but it's frustrating because whenever the question of Brexit is brought up, their first response is, "Look, that happened years ago. We Oops. need to. We don't want to reopen the old wounds. We want to move on. We want to make it work."
3: It's it, it's like saying, you know, we know we're driving to the wrong town. We're going the wrong direction. We want to go somewhere else, but we're we, we made the decision to go the wrong way. So let's carry on.
0: Yeah, it's, it's
3: like jumping out of an airplane. We, we can all do this. I'm, I'm
0: looking forward to seeing my head. It's like jumping out of an airplane and finding out you don't have a parachute. But there's an emergency cord. And you go, no, no, I've no, made my decision. I'm not pulling the emergency cord.
1: Well, come on, Alex. It would be very undemocratic to pull the emergency cord. <laughs> we had a
3: vote. <laughs> <laughs> we had a vote, yeah. <laughs> oh. But what is fascinating is that they cannot, the Labour Party, they cannot see that this isn't going to work. Or can then are they lying? And why are they lying? And you get you get this. The, the people will say, "Oh well, he's just got to get. He's got to, he's got to say that to get elected." And when he gets elected, then of course you you will know, we'll see what he really means. But I mean, it's absolute nonsense. The majority of people do not want to remain outside of the EU. The majority of people think it's a mistake. Yeah. So he's, he's 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 forming his policies, and he's all his pronouncements are about uh, attracting that ever shrinking minority. Uh, I mean, Duft. I'm gonna I'm gonna loop something back in. So the
0: we've got similar statistics to the ending of the Vietnam War. That's that's how much Brexit's hated is as hated as the Vietnam uh, Vietnam War, according to the polls. Mm. But I'm not seeing much in terms of music and art coming out against Brexit. Am I? Am I too old? Am I missing something here? <laughs> am I am I am I missing that the youth generation are railing against? So I can think of Stormzy railing against. The Conservative Party, but not against Brexit. I mean, that's the only artist I can think of that's even come it's close di- to hating it's Brexit.
3: It's different. Uh, 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 Brexit is affecting everybody. E- everyone is very anxious. Uh, yeah, with the Vietnam War, they just it, a lot of majority of people were not affected. Uh, they just wanted to end it, especially young people. But in, in terms of Brexit, everybody is anxious. Everybody's worried. Everybody is suffering, and they know they're going to go on suffering. So it's not really something to. I, I, will, I, will,
0: I will dissect that. So uh, President Johnson, of all names, President <laughs> Johnson, basically, uh, who I, I'll, there's even an actual direct comparison between President Johnson and Prime Minister Johnson. Uh, President Johnson said that if the Vietnam War hadn't gone ahead, he would have had a huge social welfare program go ahead. And so did Dr. King. They're both saying instead of spending money on blowing up people, we could be investing that back in the U.S., but the uh the, the comparison of the floods, Boris Johnson took what was it, about two to three weeks to get up to the north when it flooded really badly, and the northerners let him know it. Thank
4: you. Yeah. I'm not there back talking to you, so if you don't mind, I'll just know tell me what I'm doing on right. the firm, you've not helped you look because I don't want you to go from
5: Tired, Morris, you took your time, Boris,
6: had Yeah. You? Where you been? Know, All right. I, well, we've been, we've been on it round the clock. Is there anything in particular that you'd like us to do to No, thank you. Oh, no? No. You've got everything you need. Guys.
4: We want to know why it took you so long, five days, Boris, to come and see us here. What's well, the answer, please? The
6: answer is that people have been working round the clock to uh, address the problems yeah. here in, in, in Stainford. We are, yes, we know. Where have you uh, been? And yeah, I... but
4: oh I was here Saturday dinner, no. me and my three daughters and about ten other ladies from the community. We was here for 48 hours with nobody from the council, no else if the community can come together in such
5: a short time to respond to the needs to those people that have been devastated, upset, emotionally, lost the livelihoods, the possessions and it's took you over five days you should have been there Saturday morning having a meeting making sure that these people get the help and the support and I'm sorry your announcements yesterday was a pittance
6: You made the statement it's not an emergency It
5: is an emergency
6: no, Boris no, Actually people, I, I came to if I... Just, well yeah, yeah. yeah, let speak Thank a you, a to the I I did come up immediately to map up in in Derbyshire to see what because that was the the area that was badly affected as I was told then. And people have been working round the clock since the crisis began. And I, I do, I do, I do totally understand the feelings of frustration. I think one of the issues at the moment is that the, insu- the insurance systems don't seem t- people are, are worried about the That's insurance not so I, w- I, want to, I want to stress that there is insurance for flooding and it's we, we in the now. government will help no, we have is that a promise, Boris? Because is. you promised us months
4: ago that you were going to give our community £25 million to make these Towns communities fund, better. Town funds. Town, town funds. funds. We're yeah. still waiting for it, Boris. Well, so are you, there's are there's you right. just sat here now? out? Is that a lie again? We need We need help. We need help. The people were walking in here yesterday, Boris. You didn't see them. Little girls from Fish Lake with no shoes on their feet, Boris. A lady. A 78-year-old lady, Boris. Honestly, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking.
6: The president ordered all sorts of things done, red
1: tape cut, the federal government... The of New Orleans is still underwater today, no one can accurately
0: calculate the damage left in the hurricane's wake. It will run into tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions of dollars. In many cases the devastation was extreme.
6: The hurricane damage for himself last night, after a flying trip found the floods worse than expected. Atop a bridge in the dark, the president talked to William Marshall, 74, driven out of his home and no place to sleep.
0: Hmm. President Johnson had a similar problem in Orleans. It took him 24 hours to get out there and he was wading in the water, calling people to come out of the houses so they could be rescued. That's, That's an interesting difference between President Johnson and Prime Minister Johnson.
2: Um, I, I think there's been massive backlash against the Tories because people feel that there's a, it's possible to change it, while with Brexit they understand that it's going to. Well, I, I believe that many people understand it's going to take a long time. So it's it's not. So a lot of people are, you know, in in social media on social media whatever can attack the Tories because it's something they feel that it's something they have co- they have some control over, and that if there's an election within the next number of months or in the next year they can actually have some impact there. But when it comes to Brexit, just very little people can do because it's in yeah. the hands of the government.
1: Yeah, it's just a feeling of hopelessness. I think especially when you've got the leader of the official opposition standing up and as Alex was saying, it's, it's just as brexit as Sunak. I mean, it's just engenders a feeling of hopelessness that, you know, what can
3: be done. I think it's one... Well- uh, in addition to the economic despair uh, and the, the the no sign of any way out, uh, we've also got all this this, this corruption and this uh, uh, seeing all these politicians and their friends making so much money and really laughing at us, uh, which we've never had before. We've never had this collapse of uh, standards and uh, and the utter incompetence and so um, you know all the public services collapsing and so on. That has never happened before. I mean, it's really a really grim, grim situation we're in.
0: What what one thing would you do to make things, or what thing would you say exists that is a positive within all of this? Uh, And I'm going to throw that over to Max first. Oh, why me first? (laughs) How do I find something positive here? Uh, Are you talking about
2: politics in general or what's happening? Within the UK. Britain is still able to attract great minds, so that there, there are, um, not, not in, in, the, in the sense of businesses and investment, but there are, as you pointed out at the beginning, You know, there are universities like Cambridge and Oxford are still able to, because of the name as well and because of the tradition, they're able to attract great minds. And, and something frustrating is that there are great, great people starting up companies, but then what they do is they move the operations abroad because they can't continue to expand. So somebody comes up with a, a, a wonderful idea they want to develop it. They want to manufacture something. But they can't because this, the, the infrastructure isn't there. So you have people, uh, inventors, for example. So many inventions over the last 200 years came from Britain. But over the last 30 30 years, well, let's say the last uh, 10 years, a lot of that has, you know, the, the invention starts in Britain and then the operations are moved abroad because they, don't, they can't find the staff or they can't uh, manufacture I think that's uh, so. The positive is yes, it's attracting uh, Start wonderful
1: with the
3: positive, minds. then you sank it. <laughs> yeah, so, Michael, yeah. what's your positive? Uh, my positive? I, I got a YouTube channel. I think yeah. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh I I can't think of anything. I heard a discussion. <laughs> I think mean, the spectator talked about it last last night, and they were saying, "Can you think of any positive?" And nobody could think of anything. I mean, th- 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 there aren't any positives. So, no. I can't
1: think Um, of anything. um, The only positives I can think of are the polls, showing that we've not got too much longer to put up with this appalling gangster government. I mean, that's the only positive I can think.
0: (laughs) Uh. I'm going to end on a high note. I think the youth, they are pushing right against us at the moment. I can't see how anyone's going to change the situation, no matter who they are, unless we go back in.
1: Yeah, well, that links that links to my point about the polls as well, Alex. I mean, a recent poll said that only one in twenty people under the age of thirty are actually pro Brexit. Nineteen out of twenty. Wow. What what is that?
0: What is that for the Tory party as well? Because I know they're panicking like crazy because they can't get youth.
1: Yeah, I don't know the figures, but it's similar, isn't it? It's uh, yeah because even uh, as people get older you look at the demographic in in 10 years cycles as people get older they tend to traditionally vote more to the right but what people don't realize that's not a function of age that's a function of of life that you acquire a house you get a better job and of course in Tory Britain that's just not happening so this trend that they expect people are getting older and still voting to the left to the progressive party so that's going to be their undoing that's a positive.
2: I remember there was a, a UKIP guy who was, I think, I don't know if he was running for mayor or something of some town. It was a recent thing. And uh, he was asked about, what are your policies? And he couldn't name one. Like, he couldn't wow. actually come up with a policy. He was like, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're uh, labor are doing a bad job and stuff. Yeah, but what are your policies? What are your policies? And he's like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> just the, he was like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know you were going to ask me these questions. I would have prepared better.
1: I, I saw that, Mark, as well, yeah. He he said, well, they're not actually that different to the Conservative uh, candidates' policies, but we're going to do them better. I
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's us done. <laughs> <laughs> the, sad thing. the sad thing for all these, these young people, though, is that there's going to be nothing left for them. I mean, they're going to be starting yes. off with such a such a mess. On that cheerful note. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> Bye-bye. See you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.